Tonight we're going to talk about identifying with the anointed one and his anointing. And we're going to begin in Acts chapter 11. Acts chapter 11 and verse 26. Actually, I'm going to start in verse 21. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. The news of these things came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent out Barnabas to go as far as Antioch. When he came and had seen the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all that with purpose of heart they should continue with the Lord. You know, that's to me, that's the message of the hour right now is don't quit. Don't give up. Jesus said, he who endures to the end, he who endures to the end will be saved. There's a lot of people that have lost hope. And I'm telling you, you know, if you're in here and not, maybe you're not hopeless, but you've lost some hope. I'm telling you to have faith in God. God's a good God, hope in God, and he will deliver you. For he was a good man, verse 24, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great many people were added to the Lord. Then Barnabas departed from Tarsus to seek Saul, and when he had found him, he brought him back to Antioch. And so it was that for a whole year they assembled there with the church and taught a great many people. And the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. They were first called Christians. This is the first time that we see this word Christian. And they were called Christians in Antioch. Why were they called Christians? Well, I'm glad you asked. In the beginning, God made man in his likeness, in his image. Here, they, they said they were called Christians, which in a simple term means Christ-like. But we know that the word Christ, or you may not know, but the word Christ means the anointed one. The Hebrew word for it means Messiah. It means the anointed one. And so when you take the word Christ and you add I-A-N or A-N, what that does is describe, uh, make it an adjective to what, you're, what you belong to. And so Christ is the anointed one. A-I-N means you belong to it. You recognize, you're recognized as it. You are, um, you resemble it, you are like it, you belong to it. And so it, it is taking possession of the first word. So it's saying, I re- I'm recognized, I'm characterized by the anointed one and his anointing. I'm like that. So if you look at like words that we use, if I said, this person is a dietitian. Then that means that that person is what? An expert at what? If I said someone is a mathematician, then that person is what? Recognized as what? An expert in math, right? If, if I said someone is a Brazilian, then you know that they are belong to or are recognized or come from 
If I said someone is American, then you know that they belong to or recognize or like America, right? So that's what they were. This is was a description of these people being like Christ. Now, Christ was not Jesus last name is Jesus Christ. So Jesus, the anointed one or Jesus, the Messiah. So when they talked that that these people were first called Christians, it means that there was evidence of Christ's anointing in their life, operating in and upon their life. It was recognizable. People could see that they belonged to it. People could see that they were of that likeness. There was no mistake that they were like that. People should call us Christians because we resemble Christ. We act like him. We talk like him. We look like him. We walk like him. Therefore, we must be Christian. So Jesus said, I only do what the Father uh, says to do, or I only, I only say what the Father tells me to say, I only do what the fa- I see the Father do. So He was like the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So He resembled the Father. And so when people like go, this is, this is off subject a little bit, but when people go back to the Old Testament and uh, they, they understand God in the Old Testament and then God of the New Testament, what Jesus said, I came to show you the Father. So in the life of Jesus, we see what God is like through the life of Jesus. Through your life, people should see what Jesus is like in the same way. There should be evidence. There should be a resemblance of the anointing in and on your life. Can can you say amen? amen? So in the Old Testament... The anointing would come on certain people. For example, David. If you turn in 1 Samuel chapter 16. Verse 13. Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers and... The Spirit of the Lord came, what was that word? Upon David from that day forward. So there were instances in the Old Testament where the Spirit of the Lord came upon men and women of God. Uh, We read an example of David. If you read about the life of Samson, when he came on a lion, do you remember he ripped the jaws of a lion? It said that the Spirit of the Lord came on him. Well, as New Testament believers, we have Jesus Christ living on the inside of us. So not only is the anointing of God or the Spirit of the Lord on us, but in us. So we have the anointing in us and on us. And so David... If you, if you skip over to uh, chapter 17 and look at verse 8, 
He came into the camp. Y'all know the story. He stood and cried out to the armies of Israel and said to them, why have you come out to line up for battle? Am I, this is, this is a Goliath. Am I not a Philistine and you the servants of Saul? He said, am I not a Philistine and you the servants of Saul? Now, when the Israelites heard this, uh, one's translation said they were terrified and lost all hope because of words. One translation said they were terrified and deeply shaken because of the words of this giant. I'm a Philistine and you are the servants of Saul. But David identified with God at who he was in God. And so in verse 26, he says in the second half of the verse, for who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? In other words, David was saying, I identify with God and I'm a son of God. I'm a child of God. His anointing is on me. The spirit of the Lord is on me. And so this uncircumcised, unsaved enemy of God is coming against us. What's y'all's problem? Because Goliath has said, you, the servants of Saul. And that's what Satan will try to do is to make you think that you're just natural. He will try to bring you down a notch. He will take you down a notch. To make you think you're just, oh, you're just the son of. Oh, you're nothing. You don't amount to anything. You're from the other side of the tracks. Nobody in your family's ever done anything. You'll never amount to anything. That's what, but it's just words. And so we have to know who we are. We have to identify with the fact that Jesus Christ, the anointed one, lives on the inside of us. And that anointing is on the inside of us and manifests on us. And so David knew who he was. He said, who, who should defy... That this man, this, this uncircumcised Philistine should defy the armies of the live, living, living, living. We serve the only living God. <laughs> and so he said, is there not a cause? So he goes in front of uh, the king and verse 34, he says, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or bear came and took out the took the lamb out of the flock. I went after it, struck it, delivered the lamb from its mouth. I caught it by the beard and struck it and killed it. How did he do that? Because the spirit of the Lord was on him. When the spirit of the Lord is on you or the anointing of God is on you, you can, it propels you to do things that you can't do in the natural. It makes things that are impossible possible. And so he says, your servant has killed both lion and bear. And this, here it is again, uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. Somebody knows who they are in God. Moreover, David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. 
Verse 46, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hand. Why? Because the spirit of the Lord was on him. The anointing was on him. But see, today's Christian, today's Christian, the anointing is not just on you, but it's in you. Because Jesus Christ dwells on the inside of you. He's brought you from dead to life. You're alive in him. You're a joint heir with him. Seated in the heavenly places. He says you don't have to be poor. You can be rich in him. You don't have to be sick. You can be made whole. This is, you don't have to be depressed. You can have joy. They say, well, that's, that's too good to be true. That's the gospel. Go back with me to Luke chapter four. So Jesus came back from in verse one, Jesus being filled with the Holy spirit. So Jesus had just been baptized. The, uh, the spirit of the Lord came on him baptized in the, in the Holy spirit and being filled with the Holy spirit. Verse one. And then Verse 14, Jesus returned in the power of the spirit. The anointing has power. So Jesus, verse 18 says, he found the place of himself and it says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. Well, a simple definition for this would be that he has that the power of God, the anointing is the power of God on human flesh. And it's supernatural. It's not natural. It's not something you can conjure up naturally. There's no ingredients for it. There's no formula for it naturally. It's by faith. It's supernatural. And we can not only uh, identify with this, but walk in it. And And the more that we spend time in prayer and fellowship in the word, the more we grow in this anointing. And sometimes you can be in a, I know I've been in, I've been in the mall, middle of the mall before. And the anointing just comes on me. I can feel the presence of the God. When the anointing comes on, you can tangibly feel the presence of God. You, some people would describe it as, oh, I had, I had uh, uh, goosebumps. Look at the hairs of my arm are standing up. And he went on to say, he anointed me to do what? Preach the gospel to the poor. Heal the brokenhearted. Proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Go with me to Acts chapter 10 with your anointed self. (laughs) Acts chapter 10. Verse 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with what? Power. With the Holy Spirit and power. And, watch this. He went about doing what? Good. Well, what was good? It tells us. 
healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. God is with you. Turn to your neighbor. Say, God is with you. So what made these people give these disciples the name Christian? Because Jesus had walked the earth. He had died on the cross. He had rose from the grave. He had appeared to the people, said, go and and wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit. And now, after all of that, after the day of Pentecost, where they were gathered in one accord and and there sat upon each of them, uh, you know, uh, fire, something that resembled fire. And they spoke in other tongues and people said, wow, they in amazement. They were speaking the wondrous works of God is how that was translated. They were speaking out the wondrous works of God in other tongues, but people heard it in their own language and they were amazed. And they said, these people have been drinking the new wine. There's a lot of church folks that need to drink the new wine of the Holy Spirit. That's why it says, be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's amazing to me that that's in the same scripture. Didn't mean to tip over any sacred cows there. I'm not looking at anyone. They saw them operating in the same anointing as they saw Jesus operating in. They saw them operating in the same anointing that they saw Jesus operating in. There was evidence. And so they said, you're, you're, these are Christians. These are, these are ones that belong to, they're recognized by the anointed one. They're doing things that the anointed one did. What did Jesus say? Greater what? Works will who? You do. Because I go to my Father. Meaning I'm showing you. I'm showing you how it's done. And then you're going to do it. But you're not going to do it. If you don't understand and identify with the anointed one. And that means that you have to get to know him through prayer. Praying in the understanding, praying in the spirit. There's many times where I've seen who I am in Christ, praying in the spirit. There's a vision, there's a, there's a flash, there's a daydream. This is who you are. That's what I've called you to do. The more that that's happening, the more times that, that you're fellowshipping in the word. Because the word, the word it says... I have it somewhere. And all of us, second, don't turn there, 2 Corinthians 3.18. And all of us, as with unveiled face, because, uh, because we continue to behold in the Word of God, as in a mirror. So the Word of God is a mirror to you, to show you 
who you really are in Christ to help you get there. Do you think that David would have ever got in front of that giant and confronted him in front of a whole army of people if he wasn't confident of who he was in God? See, he fellowshiped. You know, you go read Psalm, you know, lots of Psalms where there's these sang songs to him. He worshiped him. Conversations with him. Even when he messed up, repenting, crying, pouring out his heart to God. Lord, it seems like evil is winning. It seems like, you know, this and that. But yet I will praise you. And so you, you come to a place in your walk with God where, where you're confident in who you are in Him. Because His anointing is on the inside of you. Because Jesus is on the inside of you. The, the anointed one. You're filled with the Holy Spirit. We just read that you have power. What's the power for? To do good. What's good? Healing all that are oppressed of the devil. It says that in, um, oh, I think it's in Third John, maybe. I don't know if I wrote it down or not. But it says that Jesus was manifested to destroy the works of the devil. He was manifested to destroy the works of the devil. Well, he was anointed to do good, to heal all those that were oppressed of the devil. So what, what are the works of the devil anyway? What are the devil's works? Let me, let me define to you, let me define to you what, the, what works means. A work, oh, here it is. Yeah, I've already read it. A work is, listen, a task or action that carries out someone's purpose or inner desire. A work is a task or an action that carries out someone's purpose or their inner desire. So when we talk about the works of the devil, John 10.10 says that he came to kill, to steal, to destroy. That was... His inner desire. So therefore, his works represented what he desired inwardly. I hate you. I want to kill you. I want to destroy you. I want to destroy your family. I will put sickness on you. If you won't take that, I'll get somebody talking about you and and gossiping about you and, and, and envy and strife and jealousy. And, you know, you need to go drink this off. You need to (laughs) revelry works all to do what? Destroy God's people. Why? Because he hates that God is mindful of man. What is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man. He wanted to be. and, And so now God has put man above him. 
And if you're a Christian, given you authority over him because of what Jesus did on the cross. So we sit, we sit at a place where he's under our feet. But yet he's saying, you're just a servant of Saul. You're just a lowly little runt from the west side. And so he attacks us verbally and sometimes uses people. Don't be used by pe- don't be used by the devil to do that. Attacks your mind. Why? Because the power within you will defeat him every single time. Amen. So the way that I know that and identify is because The word tells me, okay, so I believe that. So now when I go to the father and pray, it's this, it's this edification. It's this exchange between me and the father. And all along, he's building me up and saying, you're a warrior. You're a soldier. You're powerful. I've given you authority. And my love for God. See, you don't have love. The agape love, the God kind of love. You don't even have that until you become a Christian. Until you receive Jesus as your Lord. You have a uh, phileo. There's, a, there's another uh, love. Uh, it's, it's used for the word lust. There's those loves, but the, but the love of the Father is not in you until He brings you back from death to life. Now, now that agape love is in me, which causes me to, to love others. The love of the Father is in me. Well, God so loved the world that He gave His Son. And so now my love for others begins to grow because of my love for God. Why do we love Him? Because He first loved us. Gave his life for us, a ransom for many. He redeemed us, set us free. When we lose our sight of what he's done for us, you know, we don't live back there, but we should be thankful for where he brought us. And so those things are things that help us grow in the anointing and using this God-given authority and power. Jesus said... I give you power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And in that same passage, he said, they departed. They went through towns preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Why? Because the preaching of the gospel telling someone, you don't have to live like this anymore. You don't have to be depressed, oppressed. You don't have to be sick. You don't have to be poor. You don't have to put up with this. What do you mean? You need a savior. You need to come to yourself and realize that you can't do this on your own. You need a savior that will help you. And then you can cast all your cares on him. 
Well, that's the gospel. That's the good news of the gospel that brings faith. And so that's what they went out doing, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. So what does this anointing do? The anointing. What does the anointing do? Well, we said it's, it's uh, the, the power of God on human flesh. It's supernatural. But what does it do? Well, Isaiah 10, 27 says that it destroys yokes and it removes burdens. Well, would you say that sickness is a yoke? Hello? Would you say that uh, oppression is a yoke or a burden? I like how Nikki's dad uh, described it. He said that uh, that the anointing breaks the yoke of the past. A yoke was something they put around your neck. So you were bound. Like this. The anointing breaks the yoke of the past, removes the burden of the, of the present. The word removes means beheads it. Takes it away, cuts it off. It destroys the yoke of the past, removes the burden of the present, and propels you into your future. Because why? Because there's power in it. It's the power of God. To do what? Destroy the works of the devil. To do good. What's good? Healing. Uh, Someone that's depressed. To bring them out and, and show them joy. To meet a need. And so these are things that the anointing does. The anointing can destroy the destroyer's works. The anointing can destroy the destroyer's works. So one of the things that we need to... uh, be mindful of as we identify with the anointed one and his anointing and begin to grow in this is found in Ephesians chapter five. It says, be imitators of God as dear dear children. Be imitators, be like him. Verse 2, and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. Walk in love. It's It's a part of this exchange of your life for his life. It's taking on the life of God and dying to your life. It's an exchange that we make. And so no longer it's you that lives, but it's the anointed one living in you and using your body as a vehicle for the anointing. But if I don't love, why would I ever 
care about destroying any works of the devil. Love releases the anointing. I was in a, uh, praying for somebody one time, and I'm just going to be honest, and it was a while ago, and so <clears throat> this person came up, and um, I remember thinking in my mind, you know, we're, we're human. Ministers are still human. And I remember thinking in my mind, how many times is this person coming up for the same thing? When are they going to get it? And so I begin to pray and I, and I just, all I can say is that the compassion of God came on me. And the love of God just manifested on me as I, as I, as I grabbed their hands and begin to pray. And I could just feel the heart of God for this person because God wasn't thinking that. God was thinking this time they're going to get it. And the anointing is going to propel them into their future. Where the, where the burden of the present was, was holding them down. Where the yoke of bondage was, was, was keeping them bound and chains and, and things and in darkness. This time they're going to get it. Then the anointing is going to propel them. And the compassion of God as I begin to pray. I could just feel it. I feel it right now. And I, be, I just be, almost begin to cry. And then, and then the joy of the Lord came on us. And we, we all began to just laugh with the joy of the Lord, like springing up from here. And next thing I know, the power of God hits this person and bam, they go down there just laughing and, and freedom, freedom. The anointing in a moment can take someone that has been bound by a yoke and, and heavy laden by a burden and free them in a second. And that anointing is on you and in you. Just the last night, we had our final Heritage of Faith softball game. And uh, I really enjoy it. It's, it's, a, good, it's a good fellowship. And, but... <clears throat> At the end of the game, we usually gather at the pitching mound and, and pray. Now, it's supposed to be a church league team, but this team that we played, I don't think they were part of a church. So there's a couple of teams in there that, that aren't. And so we gathered, we gathered uh, you know, at the mound. And, well, I just felt impressed to the Lord to go put my arm around this one guy. And the pastor says, Eric, why don't you pray? So... I go over, I kind of put my arm around this guy and I begin to pray. And the anointing of God came on me as I began to pray. And so I, I didn't pray a typical prayer that you would pray after a softball game. <laughs> begin to pray for, you know, these guys, bless their homes, Lord. Help, Lord, help them with anything that they're dealing with in their life. You know, give them, give them relief. Let, let them... Let them know that you're here and, and that you're for them. And that we thank you for your mercy tonight. Even though their ball on their ball, they wrote no mercy on their ball. 
So I said, Lord, even though they wrote no mercy on their ball, you show us mercy. But the anointing of God was on me. I'm telling you, and I felt it. I felt the presence of God as I hugged this guy. Well, I know a little bit about this guy's past. I've never really talked to him about it, but he lost, he lost a child. And I'm telling you right there, I don't know what happened in, this, in the spirit realm. It's supernatural. We won't know this side of heaven sometimes when we touch people. It can be a touch. You can walk, you can walk by somebody and just, and just touch them and release the anointing of God. It could be a word. Folks, it could be a look. Jesus, when he was talking with the rich young ruler, it said that he, I don't remember exactly, but, but basically it says he, he looked at him and he loved him. He loved him with a look. What that means is that he released the anointing with a look from his eyes. Amen. Well, that's kind of radical, Brother Eric. I mean, they didn't teach us that at the United First Pentecostal Methodist Church. And, uh, but if you believe this, because it's in the Bible... See, that's why I won't grow in the anointing unless I'm in prayer and in the word. Because I got to know what the word says. If, if, I've, if you've seen Jesus do something in the word, that means you can do it. Which is what the word Christian means. That you resemble Christ and his anointing. What's it, what was the anointing for? Don't be shy to destroy the works of the devil. You can walk into any restaurant. You can walk into any grocery store. You can walk into your home and change any environment that you're in because the anointing of God goes with you. God goes with you. The presence of God goes with you. The difference between some of you, and for example, I'm not the, like, the, like the icon for this, but I recognize it in my life that he is in me and on me. And it's something that by faith that I'm conscious of and release. The anointing can be released with a word. But it all goes back to, do I love God? Do I love people? Jesus was moved with compassion. When a leper says, are you willing? A leper, are you willing? If you're willing, I can be cleansed. And Jesus did something that was completely against the day where people, it would be like, Someone with COVID-19. It's worse than that, but 
The fear of that when people were in such fear of it. When the HIV virus first came out, well, do I get it by shaking someone's hand? Do I get it because they sweat on me? They touched me? They didn't know. But in that day, if someone had leprosy, you stayed away and they isolated them. You definitely did not touch them. And he said, if you're willing, you can, uh, I can be cleansed. And the, the scripture says that Jesus was moved with compassion and stretched out his hand. <laughs> what was he doing? Releasing the anointing. You know, if... If, if something that's a substance, let's say, like a, the Dead Sea doesn't have an outlet or just, and it just sits there for a while, what, is, what happens to it? It gets stagnant, stinks, flies get on it. That's why Paul tells Timothy... Timothy, stir up the gift. He says in the Amplified, says the inner fire. It's on the inside of you. Just get it stirred up. Stir it up. You do that a number of ways through prayer, through reading of the word, praying in the Holy Spirit, fellowshipping with other believers. And sometimes you got to talk to yourself like David did. Yep. Yep. Yes. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Forget not all his benefits, who heals all your diseases, who, who cleanses you from all your iniquities. Bless the Lord, soul. Bless the Lord. Because being in the world, going out in the world, the world can sometimes get on you. <laughs> What's that? To take your anointed. Once the devil wants to take you, you didn't want you anointed? That's the worst. This is the worst sermon for the devil's standpoint. That Christians can hear. No, don't talk about the anointing. Don't talk about it. Don't tell them they have authority over me. No, no, no. I've been lying to them for years and they bought the lie. <laughs> you have the name of Jesus, you have the power of the Holy Spirit. You're equipped. God is with you. He goes with you everywhere you go. But will you love God enough and will you love others enough to do good? You know, there's a lot of... I'm not going to get technical here right at the end. But there's a lot of believers... 
let's say believers, that think church is for them. Only for me. Like, what can you do for me? When the church was set up by Jesus Christ, he appointed the fivefold ministers for the equipping, for their equipping, so that they can do the work. The work, what? The inner desire that's carried out in action of the ministry. What? What's ministry? An aid, doing good, and and then for the sake of this sermon, destroying the works of the enemy. And you know, you, you grow in it. You grow in it. And you hear, you listen. And the, and the Holy Spirit says, go, go talk to that person. And so you go. Doesn't even have to be weird. Hey, man. Hey. That's, that's your lady? Oh. I just saw y'all over here. Y'all, y'all just look like a great couple. Just wanted to let you know that. What happened? We just released the anointing. What, what, what happened though? What happened? I don't know. I don't know. But if God told you to do it, then he's in it. Then something happened that they needed. It could be that they had a sick person at home that they needed this to carry this back on and and then that touch went in that. You don't know. But that's who we are. Christian. Christian. Little anointed ones. It's like, uh, you know, your, your son or your daughter that resemble you, they carry your last name. Oh, there goes little Eric. There goes little Nikki. Little anointed ones. Anointed ones. There's so much in there. So much in, in you. In you. In you. Would you stand tonight? Thinking strum a little. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. Your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And Lord, we thank you that your word exposes Satan's lies. Jesus, you said that he's the father of lies. He's lied from the beginning. And Lord, I thank you tonight that you've brought clarity. Lord, as to who we are in you. Anointed ones. Anointed ones. Anointed ones.